ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing real good these days, you know, for an old fellow. <laughs> I really want to thank you for taking some time with ATV Talk. Uh, I know that you're a busy guy and you have a lot of things going on. Um, I just, uh, I really appreciate the time you're going to spend with us tonight. Uh, most people don't realize that ATV racing, well, started with three-wheeler racing back in the old days with the hardtail 90s. Um, that's exactly right. That's what you rode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did, and I, we were innovating things each and every week, not, not only for horsepower, but for, uh, you know, braking systems, suspensions we started putting on them, and there was a lot to do. I, at the time, I, uh, I, I started off privately, and then after a while, I started, I worked at a Suzuki of El Cajon when I first got my first three-wheeler. And, uh, then we went, uh, I, I went to work for Johnson's and we started an ATV shop at Johnson's ATV. Um, uh, Danny Duncan did a lot of machine work for me and so forth. And, uh, and then I did my own porting and engine building because I was a trained Honda mechanic. And, uh, I just, just went from there. We made some fast ATVs and um a little later on I, I got I went to work for uh Honda of San Diego and that's when the ATV racing started. Uh, I think it was 77 if I can remember. Right. And June Jensen who owned the place, she just recently passed away. Um but uh she she sponsored several of us that worked there including uh Tim Hoy um and a bunch of other people my contingency was she'd sponsor me but i also had to race an odyssey which i had no interest in <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so i went out and raced the odyssey and i wasn't very good at it i i wound up hanging from the from the seat belt so many times and it hurt you know and i just hated it but uh Finally, I decided, well, heck, I'm going to rip this engine out and port it and mill the head and get some horsepower out of it. And I, I ordered a pipe for it. And uh, next thing you know, I had a really fast Odyssey and and I, I'd go out and race it and um, I'd crash it and wind up hanging from the seat belts again. I just I'm not made for dune buggy style machines. I, I haven't owned a side by side yet, but I'm afraid to even try. But uh so one night we were at South Bay Speedway racing and um, and some guy asked if he could test drive my really fast Odyssey to see if uh, and to see if, if he wanted to have us modify his engine. And uh, and week after week, I, I kept coming into June Jensen and saying, is there any way I could just race my three wheeler and not this Odyssey? She's like, no. We have to promote these odysseys. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so week after week, I hated riding or driving that thing. And uh, 
anyway, so I let this guy drive my Odyssey. He wanted to see how much power it had. He took it down the back straightaway where we could blow out bikes at South Bay Speedway. And as he was turning around, he got T-boned by another Odyssey, <laughs> bent my Odyssey in half. And that was the last time I had to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> Did we, you get uh, a motor job? Oh, oh yeah. And, and we salvaged all the parts off it because the frame was bent. <laughs> you know? oh, wow. It was the greatest day ever. But, uh, uh, but back to three-wheel racing. Three-wheel racing had been going on for several weeks at that point, you know, and I went to South Bay Speedway. I was at the time, I was actually racing Speedway motorcycles. Um, I'd, I'd been in it for two seasons and I was racing at Costa Mesa, um, San Bernardino. And uh, there, were, there were just races all over the Los Angeles area. You could race seven nights a week if you wanted, but I worked it down to where I could do it just, just five nights a week. <laughs> and I was making more money doing that than I was working as a mechanic. And uh, anyway, this one day the flyer pops up at the shop, Honda of San Diego, and I uh, about three wheel racing. I'm like, well, I guess I could go out there and do it. So the the first race was the first night they ever had three wheel racing there, and. I um, I had a good fast three wheeler, so I, I took off into the lead and and when I did, I hit a bump in near the one of the first turns. Maybe it was on the second or third lap, and uh, and my three wheeler bounced into the air, and it was going to come down right on the end of the handlebar, but I was able to get my thumb in between that and the ground, and and I broke my thumb on the very first race. Uh, hence my bike always had twist throttles from then on um, yeah. because I couldn't use my thumb for a few weeks after that. But um, we all went to dinner after that race and I was in pain, but I still went. Um, I didn't win of course that night, but uh, the uh, I was sitting across the table. We went to a place called Sambo's in El Cajon on Fletcher Parkway. I was sitting across the table from Marty Tripes who was there too. And uh, anyway, I ordered a large glass of ice water, dipped my thumb right in it, you know, and and just held it there for a while until I could go to the doctor later on. But uh, that was my first experience with three wheel racing. But the way my mind works, it wasn't about that. It was like I can't be crashing like that. That's no good. And you know, it, it kind of was interfering with my speedway and. I kind of wanted to go back and win because I already was in the lead of the first race. And I'm thinking if I went back, I could, I could win a race. So that's the week I went and bought some golf cart tires thinking it would give me some stability. And I still possess the receipt to that in my toolbox, <laughs> my very first set of golf cart tires from 1977. But um, anyway, I put those on. And um, I went out there and um, I, I tried them down at 24th Street and it was really impressive uh, how stable it was, much more stable. And so I, I went out and, uh, and, and, and raced the next week and, 
and I lapped everybody except me uh, with those tires. Everyone had the big old balloon tires next weekend. So uh, Dean Sundahl was running golf cart tires at that time in the open class. But I was the first bike in the smaller classes to do it. My bike, I think, was a 132, if I recall. Um, Had a big carburetor cam, pipe, all that stuff, you know. Um, Ported head and everything. But it ran really good. So anyway, I lapped everybody just about. And that's when Ace Williams came up to me. And he said, do those tires really work? I, I said, I just lapped everybody out there. I go, take a look at me. Do you think I'm some kind of superhuman that I could, I'm that much better than you? <laughs> I go, it's superior equipment, obviously. Yeah. And uh, and so the next week he had a set, <laughs> you know, and uh, he was a lot more formidable to battle with uh, the following week. But as time went on, um, for, for quite a while, pretty soon, within a couple of weeks, everybody had those kind of tires. And, um, and and I won every single moto of every single race for weeks and weeks and weeks. I think I got up to about 13 weeks. But but the weird thing is I found myself number one in the points. And even though I didn't care about three-wheel racing, I wanted to go back to doing my speedway. I'm like, well, shoot, I, I can't stop now. I'm number one, you know? <laughs> And uh, so I kept going and, uh, and I, I, uh, just one week after week until, uh, finally I was kneeling down to adjust my chain one night, just minutes before the race, just wanted to double check everything. You know, how you kind of look your bike over and make sure it's good. I was, I really was a stickler for machine preparation and I was a stickler for my starting technique, because in the early days, we did a Le Mans start. We had to actually run to our bikes, start them, and take off. But I had it wired to the point where I could I, I could start it on the first pull. I mean, I pulled it, the pull starter, a little past compression, and then left it there. And, and then when I ran to my bike, it would start immediately. And uh, when I did so, um, I, I just... I just had everything wired. The starts wired. There was one other thing too. Whoever signed up first would get the pole position. I learned that by accident by showing up too early. So I would show up an hour before the races every time. And I'd always get the pole position too. So the pole position with a good starting technique with a fast bike assured my win week after week. And the competition was getting more you know, uh, closer to me each week. Yeah. Everyone was getting, and some people were even getting wise to my signing up early. Uh, and they were showing up. (laughs) So they'd be second in line. We had, it. uh, it was kind of interesting how it worked, but, uh, um, finally one night I was uh, adjusting my chain. And when I stood up, I couldn't straighten my leg anymore. No matter what I did, I couldn't straighten it. Apparently, I found out later that my meniscus had gotten caught in the joint. And so I had to, I, I was done for that season. And uh, mm. about three or four weeks later, I, I got to where I could straighten it again. It must have moved out of the way or something. Um, and then I had to have the surgery after that. But that particular night, some guy came up, hey, are you going to race? And I go, 
I'm not sure. I think I'm screwed up. I, you know, my leg won't seem to straighten. You know, it was been about, I don't know, 30 degrees, just, just a little bit, you know, it wasn't straightened all the way and I couldn't put weight on it. It was a weird thing. So, uh, so he says, well, do you want to sell your drain plug? And I'm like, well, I knew that my oil would be draining out right there. I hope the EPA isn't listening to this. Well, anyway, so the, <laughs> the, the, the guy, uh, I said, no, I, I got, I'm not selling it. My leg will be okay in a minute. It doesn't hurt or anything. And, and um, anyway, as time wound down, it got to be five minutes before I'm like, come over and get your drain plug. <laughs> it was a sad thing to just give up like that, you know, and the whole season was done. But I watched week after week as the other guys amounted more points. And slowly I moved from first to second. And I finished the season with the third, the very first ATV season, you know, which I didn't even race the last four or five races, I don't think. But I went. I just couldn't do anything, you know. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Well, it was, except I kind of didn't care about ATVs then. It was like a side thing for me, you know. I don't know what it was, you know. I I didn't have the true passion for it like I should have had, you know. But I I did want to make sure everything went right and that I did everything correctly, you know, and that I won each time. I mean, winning was the whole reason I had showed up, right? You know, So, so anyway, so the next. So I had my surgery. It was like October 12th that year. And the ATV nationals were November 4th. And I had basically a little over three weeks, well, around three weeks to get ready. I had my, my, I built a new bike. It was really fast, but uh, I wasn't, uh, I had knee surgery and I waited week after week after week. Hope well day day after day I asked actually to get the stitches out and the, the doctor he's like nope you're not ready yet you're not ready yet so finally with a week to go I got the stitches out and uh, but I couldn't bend my knee enough to shift gears it was my left knee and so I worked on bending it and bending it and bending it until until I got to where I could sit down and shift gears the night before the race. And so (laughs) we went out to South Bay Speedway and, uh, and I I raced on it, but I put, I was, first of all, they had a Le Mans start and I was in no condition to be running. So I kind of did a hop along run, you know, where I'm swinging my straight leg through and uh, I got on and I just didn't perform as well as I'd hoped. And, I wound up standing up most of the time um, for the race uh, because it hurt to bend my knee. And uh, finally, a few days later, I went to my doctor in pain. I'm like, hey, I fell down the stairs. And (laughs) can you take a look at this? And and so they uh, looked at me and said, yeah, you just got to take it easy again. So, yeah, it it was I was really disappointed in that particular race that I worked very hard for, you know. I, I won one of the motos, but I didn't win the, the main event or whatever it was. And so I I think I got a third or a fourth, something like that. It, you don't remember those. You only remember the first, you know. Right. <laughs> so, so so that was yes. in 77, 78. 
I think it was 77. Yeah. And near the end of 77 wow. is when, when that was. So the next year. You, I, raced, I you raced the following year too? Well, I had to get my number one thing. <laughs> now, now I felt like I was robbed by my own physical problems, you know? So I, I worked hard on getting my leg back together, rode a bicycle a lot. And, and uh, I got, got myself back together and I had a new fast bike that I just built that I'd only raced once. And, and, uh, and then I started working on a front brake. I had a friend with a lathe and I took up a, a uh, drum brake. Everyone else used discs, but I took a drum brake from a Honda 350 twin and turned the hub down and I, I inserted it into my front wheel and, um, and made myself the first front break. And so I show up at the races and I run into Ace Williams. We were at the riders meeting and Ace says, Hey, I got something I got to show you on my bike. I'm like, I got something I got to show you on my bike. He says, all right, let's go over and look at my bike. I'm like, okay. So we went over and looked at his and he had a front brake on his. <laughs> I, <laughs> I go, let me show you what I came up with. And we walk over to mine and I'm like, he goes, you got a front brake. You know? <laughs> I go, yep. You know, by now I was running a 28 millimeter carburetor on my little Honda 90. And I, I actually had your father machine me a special piston because I decided I was going to be in the 112 CC class, but I, I figured I could do it by, um, by doing things differently. Uh, so, you know, the Honda 90 was, was, you know, 90 cc's. So rather than bore it out to up to 112, I elected to go with a stock piston and stroke it, thinking I could get more torque and quicker RPMs. And then I, I had a friend weld up the top of the piston, and I had your dad cut pockets into that piston for my valve clearance. Right. And that... Right. That bike ran as fast as any 132, and everybody thought I was cheating. And I, I said, hey, tear me down anytime, you know. Nobody would ever come up with it. I think it was 30 bucks tear down money. They'd have lost it, though, because it was a stroked bike. And I think it was 106 cc's. It wasn't even a full 112, but it, uh, the, the stroker, it really made it work, you know. And, and so, yeah, so... I went out that season and I won a lot and I, I won the series for the year. So it was much more rewarding. Uh, Ace, Ace was in a different class. He wasn't racing against me, but he was doing well with his front brake. And of course, you know, Wax and Dean, they were running the open class on their alcohol 180s. And, um, and those were Honda 750 pistons stroked to 61 millimeters. So 61 by 61. But those guys, uh, those things were really fast. And so and one particular night, it was interesting. A guy showed up with a Yamaha 360 engine in a three-wheeler. And Bob Bazile, the, the guy that ran the track at South Bay Speedway, said, all right, we got this one guy with a 360 Yamaha in it. And uh, Ace and Dean... And I don't know if Mark was there that night, but I know Ace and Dean were for sure. They they said, just put him in with us. We don't care. 
And it, it was really interesting. Those 180s were so powerful uh, running on alcohol and everything. Of course, Ace was experimenting with nitromethane. And uh, they, there was a, a moment where they caught up to the guy on the 360 Yamaha coming out of a turn. And all three of them punched it at the same time down the straightaway. And the two Honda 180s blew past the Yamaha 360. <laughs> it was amazing how powerful those things were. But I uh, wish I would have got to meet Ace. Uh, oh, he, he was a character. He was really funny. In fact, I, I actually saw him the night that I left before he got hurt. But he had had a, a series of bad luck. He, um, at first he, I think he hit Waxeldorfer at a race and broke both arms. And, um, and, uh, I, uh, I heard about it and I heard he was in the hospital. So I, I, uh, took a, a towel and stapled it to a sawhorse and drug it into his room. And, uh, he's like, what's that for? I'm like this, is so you can wipe your own butt, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're not going to find anyone to do that for you, you know. And uh, so anyway, he he had that happen. The next next thing that happened, he was out riding, and he came off a jump, and he had suspension. And we were getting into suspension, and the suspension bottom, and he hit a rock with his boot. And it tore off the nose of his boot, and he lost his big toe. And the big toe, the sock, everything came right out the hole in the front of the boot. It was gross. Um, And and so then he was working on recovering from that. It was all stitched up. They they couldn't put the toe back on. And um, the night he was was hurt, which I didn't hear about till the next day. Uh, I showed up at his shop. It was uh, 3B Lightning Company was the name of the right. place with a whole bunch of, I think Brock Glover was in it and Billy, I can't remember him. But anyway, they all, Ace was building a bike. It had a, a 480cc Honda in it. He was getting ready for Riverside and he, he had just made a frame. He was a great welder. And uh all set to go. And I'm like, what's this tab down here by the foot pegs? You know, oh, that's a tow guard. I'm like, well, good thinking, you know? And I said, how come there's not one on the other side? He goes, already lost that toe. <laughs> so, <laughs> he, he had a very wicked sense of humor. He's a great guy. But um, anyway, he uh, had a head injury and um he crashed his bike somehow that night and hit his head and uh, I guess was in a coma until years later when he passed away. But, um, but I, I was, the story I was told was that he wanted to test drive the new bike so bad before he had the brakes done and, fast. Yep. and he couldn't get it turned. And right. Uh, he hit the curb and it, it, it was like a industrial complex that was, that was terraced and each one Wrong. well the next down was lower and there was a curb at the top i went by there the next day and you could see a mark on the curb from the upper level and then you could see a mark about eight to ten feet high if i recall on the door of the it was a tire mark on the door of the building down below you know so 
something went happen. Yeah, and, and he bounced. I don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know how they found him. I wasn't there, but uh, it was I don't a strange loan. But yeah, no, I think uh, Stevie Wright was there that night. Um, Stevie told me that uh, they heard him fired up, and he he went down the way, and uh, they all ran to the front of the building to see him come around, and all they kept hearing was the echo of the bike idling down there and then after a while they all panicked and ran down there and then that's when they found him he was he was badly injured mm. so yeah stevie wright i think knows more about that story than i do yeah not something that you want to bring up sometimes yeah it's very yeah. strange strange thing of this i guess in in racing people get hurt and it it sometimes it happens you know exactly so yeah. tell me what do you do now? And, and, and how did you end up back East? Well, I, um, I have, I've always had two passions. Not a lot of people knew my other passion, but my other passion was radio. And I got interested in it from a fourth grade field trip that I had. And throughout all my years of racing and stuff like that, there was always part of me that wanted to be in radio. So, um, I owned a, a motorcycle dealership in Poway for about four years. And um, when I owned that, that place, um, I started doing radio in the evenings. I got a job um, at a station. And so I was doing radio in San Diego, working at, uh, I worked at Y95. I don't know if you call that one, but, and uh, KCBQ back in the day. And then uh, you, I, I was wondering if I, I thought, well, if I could do radio all the time, I'd almost rather do this than twist wrenches and, you know, work on motorcycles. And I liked the people I was working with and uh, I liked the industry a lot. So as time went on, I started making a shift over to radio, which was kind of funny because uh, one day I, I was doing nothing but radio. I work in nights at KCBQ when uh this guy named bob harris called me he owned miramar cycles he goes hey uh what are you doing these days i go well i do radio at night he goes i got a problem he goes i've got a mechanic on vacation and i've got a mechanic um that that's leaving and he goes so i will have nobody soon so i i came up and decided i'd work for him and during the day and then i did radio at night it it was a weird thing. I mean, uh, because people in radio nowadays could never imagine me racing motorcycles. They're <laughs> they're shocked that I could ever fix something. You know, you can fix things. I'm like, yeah, I can. And uh, and people in motorcycle business they can't fathom me being on the radio. You know, it's the weirdest weirdest thing. But uh, I did that, and my whole thing was uh, I wanted to do a morning show. And it's very hard to get a job as a morning show. And uh, so I, I took some jobs. I uh, went to Augusta, Georgia for a while, took a job there doing mornings. And um, then I, I joined with a partner, another guy from San Diego, both of us from San Diego. And we took a job in Fargo, North Dakota. And Fargo, we, North Dakota. Oh, yeah. my. How yeah, are the winners there? Oh, uh, well, I, I'm here now. So it, it gets down to 
Well, the first year we had a super blizzard. And of course, to me, it was an adventure, right? I'm Southern California boy. And so I took one of those plastic trays that you make ice cubes with. I took two of them and I filled them both with water, threw one in the freezer and one on my porch and uh, of my apartment I had then. And it was actual temperature, minus 50 degrees outside. And uh, the one on the porch froze in 10 minutes. And the oh, one in the, the refrigerator was still water, you know, at that point. So what I did was I, I, I put the ice cubes in a Coca-Cola of mine, and they did not diminish in size for over an hour. Those were some cold ice cubes. Yeah, wow, that is crazy. It, 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 it is. I mean, like, uh, like we, have, we buy frozen food from the Schwann's guy. You know, the Schwann's truck that goes around, uh, right. they have, I think I've had those in San Diego. But anyway, they just leave it on your porch. It Frozen food, ice cream, whatever, doesn't matter. It stays cold. <laughs> <you know? laughs> That's crazy. That is so. Yeah, we're, ha we're having an unseasonably warm year this year. Um, and it's been in, in the 20s and 30s, which is really good for here. But uh, today's the first day where it started to get cold. It was. It was five above, which isn't bad, you know. And uh, for me, being a Southern California guy, it um, was really strange. I got married up here and had uh, kids, and I, I we were going on vacation one year, um, and, and I went by the at Christmas time, and I went by the daycare place. It was five below, and here's my little three-year-old daughter in a little snowsuit just climbing on a pile of snow, didn't know any different, you know. Now she's uh, 18 years old and she drives in the snow excellently, you know. She gets sideways, she knows what to do. And uh, it's uh, that's just, just the only life they've known. And as for me, I'm thinking, I gotta get out of here someday, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Was your wife from there? Yeah, she's, she's from here, she's a Minnesota lady, so. Um, so, so yeah she's she's used to it but you know when, when i take vacations one vacation i stopped by your shop and i saw your dad there now, this is probably seven eight years ago i don't know nice. but uh, at least maybe even 10 um but we saw your dad there and my your dad met my wife and but when we got to san diego i said to um to my wife you see how this is you don't have to shovel sunshine, you know? I mean, <laughs> I, I spent an hour shoveling the driveway today, you know? That's the only way I keep in shape around here. So oh, it's crazy. It is. And it and it has to stop at one point. <laughs> Once I sell the radio station, I probably will move on uh, to, I'm thinking maybe Florida. I, I love Southern California, but uh, it's getting a little expensive there, taxes and laws and everything and crowded. And, getting? Um, <laughs> yeah, right, right. It was like that when I left. And oh. so, so part of me says, yeah, doggone it. Because I, you got to think about retiring. And and I'm thinking when I'm 80 years old, I don't want to be up here shoveling snow or trying to walk down a sidewalk. And, um, and there's places in Florida I don't want to go because they get hurricanes. So and I've been trying to think of where should I retire, you know? And it... Uh, that's California looks a little expensive, but I don't know. Up here, though, you can get a really nice house for two hundred fifty thousand. Really nice, 
um, probably 2,700 square feet. And like mine's, I paid more, a little more than that, but it's on a golf course. And uh, it, it's, but, but it's a good, good of the year. It's white. It's true. It is right now. <laughs> exactly it. There, there's been some years that, that I drove with no traction, ice and snow for nine months. Some years it's been that way. So, uh, yeah, it, you get kind of used to it, but when you get those nice two months of summer, you, you appreciate it, you know, but the problem I have after I got out of the ATV business, I got into the jet ski business. I worked for Mariner performance and then several other jet ski companies. And, um, I, in Mariner, I worked in sales and I also worked in R and D for a time. And, and the, you know, in Southern California, you can have various toys, you know, and, and enjoy them. But up here, I've still got jet skis. I even have a 1981 jet ski that's all souped up. And uh, heck, we only have like 10 weeks of summer. So you got to be doing something every weekend, you know. We have a boat. We have, I have my quad and we have dirt bikes for my kids and I. Uh, I I've got a 450 uh, Kawasaki KX. That, that I still ride, which I'm I'm thinking is I got to get a smaller bike. <laughs> it's almost too much anymore, you know. Uh, I am 66. I I'm coming to coming to realize that after all this time, you know. But uh, that's so. crazy. But you have it, it, weeks worth of riding time. A very little, you know. So one thing though for riding time, we do get. Uh, you know, in, in spring and stuff in between snows, we do get some spring snows, but it starts to warm up enough. And also my tolerance for cold temperatures is so much better than it used to be. I mean, to me, high 40s or low 50s, is I can be in a T-shirt all day and not even think about it, you know, and uh, and and people up here will say, isn't it nice today? And I'd say. Are you kidding? This would be the worst day ever in winter if I still lived in San Diego. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I well, when I talk to the guys from back east, you know, they're telling me you know, how bad it is. You know, or well, it was a nice day today. You know, it was twenty five and da, 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 da. Like, twenty five, dude. I wouldn't leave the house. I know. <laughs> We used to go to the motorcycle shows from San Diego in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I remember it was 20 degrees and all we had to do is walk across the street from the hotel to the convention center. And it was 20 degrees and we were freezing. I mean, we couldn't handle it. But uh, anyway, we've, we've all adapted. When I came up here, I, I came, um, you probably know Je Jesse Wozniak, don't you? He yes, raced ATVs. Yeah. He was the producer of our show. He came with us. Oh, nice. And, and, um, and my partner, Ben, he's from San Diego, too. So there were three of us originally. Uh, Jesse is, he's a federal agent now and uh, so right. forth. But we had a great time. I think he lives in Florida. Yeah, he does. He does. I just noticed that he moved to a new city. Uh, he was in Fort Lauderdale. Now he's somewhere else. But uh, yeah, he's a he was a really good guy and he was a good, good producer. And, uh, we had, uh, we had a great show. It was the far and away, the number one show in this town. And, uh, 
and it, it developed to where we could get jobs other places. We got uh, good high paying jobs in Tampa and then even promoted to work in Miami, which is even a bigger market. And, uh, and, and we did really well. And then clear channel started buying radio stations and firing people. So we kept getting, our, we'd lose our job and they'd pay us out for six months, which was in our contract. And, uh, we kept losing our job. And I finally one day said to my, my partner, Ben, I'm like, you know what? In the last three years, we made more money for getting our contracts paid out than we have for actually working. And why don't we go back to Fargo, North Dakota, and I'll buy that. There was a little radio station here that that uh, had was upgradable in power. We've been we we upgraded it as time went on. It's a fully functioning radio station, but it was a fixer upper when we got it. You know. Wow. But, so that's kind of been our story. I've, I've been in this town owning that radio station for 21 years, but uh, we actually left San Diego in 1995 and uh, did did two years up here. And then then we kind of did the circuit, worked around everywhere. And uh, we uh, we worked. Uh, uh, we were in Miami when uh, Versace was shot and our show did so well covering that that they made a movie about us. Uh, the Versace movie was based on two talk show hosts, that, which was us. Um, we were originally gonna play ourselves, except Clear Channel bought us and they hired, uh, bought the station and we lost our jobs, but they hired two actors to play us. Yeah. And it went straight to video, but doggone it, I thought it would have been great to have been in that movie. But Yeah, uh, that would have been cool. Yeah. So, but, so uh, Clear Channel hasn't approached you yet? Uh, no, <laughs> no, we hate them, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but no, we. Uh, I, I, I hate to tell you, they're one of my big sponsors now. Oops. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Probably. No, we don't have any sponsors, so. Yeah. So you're doing your your own thing at your your place there. Well, so you guys, you guys have been in business a long time, or or did this branch off of your dad's place? Well, it's it's. It was Danny's Machine Works. Now it's Duncan Racing, and mm -hmm. uh, we're heading towards fifty years. Gosh, that is amazing. When I first worked for your dad, I was twenty-one years old, and uh, your dad was really old. He was like thirty-five, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I I remember he was very very serious and very proper all the time, and. And here I was, some spastic young kid that that I I had come from Honda of Lemon Grove, and uh, we had kind of a different attitude to Honda Lemon Grove. We were commission mechanics. We worked fast, get on the next job, make money, keep going. You know, so it was all about the money. And your dad was all about customer service, right? Right. So, so there was like a conflict there all the time, and uh, 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 it. And, you know, walking away from it years later, I'm like, you know, I should have been seen it a little more his way, you know, but uh, through the years, though, I, I used to have a lot of machine work done at your, at, at, you know, uh, Duncan Machine Works and uh, at the old location. And um, it, it, we, we got along great through the years after that, you know, I mean, there were there were only a few places building ATV ATCs then 
and that was uh, Schmidt East down south. And then in our area, there was Danny, there was Vey, and there was me, you know. And and I was working out of Johnson's, uh, Johnson's Machine Works or whatever we called it then, or Johnson's ATC, that's what it was. Right. But, uh, but yeah, it was, um, it was a very fun time. Uh, I enjoyed it. And uh, anyway, after I kept racing for a number of a couple of years, I, I'm like, you know, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm not getting rich. I'm spending a lot of money. My girlfriends keep leaving me and because I spend all my time preparing, getting myself in shape, getting my race bikes perfect, you know, always innovating and looking at the next phase of what I can do to go a little faster or make it a little lighter or make the suspension work a little better. So uh, we, uh, I, I wound up having to, uh, I, I realized, you know what? I'm not getting anything out of ATV racing. And so I stopped. And I, I owned my own uh, Kawasaki dealership up in Poway at that time. And, and uh, while it was going on, I watched everybody I raced with sign up for Honda. I'm like, oh my. So I tried to, I, I contacted Honda and I'm like, and then here was the problem. I was the old guy of all of those guys. Mike Coe, who's 60 now, uh, I, you know, I was 29, he was 23. And they, Honda really liked these fast 23 years old, 23 year olds, but they weren't interested in uh, a 29 year old. Yeah, thirties right. They didn't see the longevity in me, and plus, they knew something I didn't know, and that is, by the time you're thirty-one or thirty-two, you're concerned about going home, and you don't think about you start thinking about hospitals and bills and things like that, and and uh, so, uh, I I finally hung it up when I was thirty-two years old. I I actually had a a crash at Carlsbad and I didn't get hurt. I actually landed standing up, uh, which was kind of the weirdest thing. I hardly ever got in wrecks, uh, but I, we went through the guardrail, me and a guy named Chris Harold, and uh, he caused it, man. But uh, we went through the guardrail together and there were boards and everything flying. And I, uh, I wound up uh, landing standing up. And uh, I was leaning against his upside down bike. And I'm like, I walked away from that. And my bike had a couple of crushed rims. And uh, Mike Coe was as nice as ever. He goes, hey, do you need a couple of rims? You know, and I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, so he loaned me a couple of wheels for the night. And and uh, I went back out there. But I just wasn't the same after that. And and uh, so then I quit doing the I, I was doing a lot of uh, national races. I would raced in uh oklahoma city and i went to florida and um ohio and a, a bunch of them and i i was on a bike that was a kawasaki uh because i owned a kawasaki shop and they didn't have the takati yet i basically built a super fast klt 200 where i built the motor on it and and set it up mostly honda parts that were green painted you know but uh <laughs> <laughs> I I did really good on that thing. And um my roommate, he made one too. Todd Callaway is his name. But um in 83, we took those two bikes to Daytona Beach. Um 
and they had, you know, they had the supercross and then they had an ATV race after that. And, uh, I went out and won that thing. And, uh, it was, it was amazing. It was a weird kind of track. It was kind of a supercross style track, but, um, uh, my 200 was so fast compared to those guys that, uh, I, I did really good. And plus, I, I don't think that the guys from Florida really knew how to set up their three wheelers the way we did on the West coast. We'd been screwing around with it for years, you know, right. but, uh, and while I was there, I ran into Tom Morgan from Tom Morgan racing. Are you familiar with his stuff? Uh, vaguely. Oh, okay. He does. He was Jeff Ward's mechanic. Uh, is what he did. And, uh, Tom Morgan, um, was originally my assistant service manager when I was the service manager at fun bike center, Tom worked for me. And he's like, Jim, <laughs> what are you doing here? He didn't even know I raced anything, you know, and here I show up on these weird three wheelers fully suspended and green and fast. And he worked for Kawasaki then, and, um, uh, got us into some Takatis later on. So worked out really good that's awesome yeah it was a a little bit of time racing uh takatis well so you hung it up what year was that that you stopped riding 85 and here's a weird thing i just stopped and that was it i didn't ride a three-wheeler again i i might have test drove one maybe 10 years later um I, I, I just, it was a weird thing. You know, I, I don't know why, uh, why I did like that, but you know, um, I talked to Bruce Schoenstrom up at Kawasaki in those days. And, uh, he says, you know what? You're 31 now. That's, I was, this is when he was giving me the, the advice. He goes, you're 31 right now. He says, you used to be first a lot. Now you're seconds and thirds. He goes, you're going to be fourths and fifths soon. He goes, I've seen this pattern a million times. He goes, you'll be convinced that you can still do it, even though you still, it isn't that you can't, it's just that you won't win races. He says, you won't win races because you have to show up at work on Monday because you can't get hurt and you're not as fearless as a 17-year-old. Like, for instance, Sean Finley, who was 17 then, who was... uh you know, he owns cycle news now, I guess, you know, but, uh, anyway, so I, uh, he, I, I, I said, you know what, I think I, I can still win. I'm going to go another year. And, um, and, and so I went out another year. They, they helped me out with, uh, a, a few things. I got some parts and usually rides to the races. And, uh, like if we were going to Oklahoma, I could just drop my bikes off and they'd, they'd take them to Oklahoma city and then I'd show up and be in under the Kawasaki tent. But, uh, it wasn't like a full ride at that point or anything. But, um, anyway, so I, I went up, uh, 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 did that for a year. And in that year, that's the race that Chris Harold and I hit the crash wall. And I went, you know what? I don't think I want to be paralyzed. You know, and I just, uh, I'm like, okay, I did this, 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 and this. And, gone as far as I can. I'm not getting younger. So I stopped. And then, um, I've just been a, a hobbyist. I, I actually enjoy riding two wheels more than three or four, but, uh, but my quad that I have now, I, uh, I've been wanting to go riding with some guys with quads around here, but, um, 
I, I built it two years ago and some friends of mine just got quads. So I may get to go riding with them this year. <laughs> I haven't ridden it anywhere. So. Isn't the sport quad market not as a, as big as like the four wheel drive market? That's what all my friends have. Um, and I haven't seen how they function the, as well. Now, my friend down the street, he just got two big Suzuki four-wheel drive ones. And one's got a snow blade on the ones. And he came up into my driveway and pushed some snow out of the way. And that was pretty amazing what they could do, you know. Um, you'd think those things would just spin the tires. And heck no, they would grunt that thing out. It was like a Suzuki 800 or something. I, I didn't really look at his bikes yet. Um, well, but Polaris and uh, Can Am mm-hmm. just got some amazing machines. We were out doing a photo shoot this summer in mm-hmm. uh, Dumont, and I got to ride what 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 most people would think is a. I'm riding a UTV. I mean, it was a thousand cc uh, quad, right? Five Polaris that just ungodly amount of power. You know, oh yeah. And I didn't even put it in the performance mode. I rode it in, in the, in the low mode, you know, just putting around mm-hmm. in the dunes and, and I'm just thinking, this is insane. Yeah. And and it's it amazing. handled and jumped. And I mean, for a big old heavy quad, it, it didn't feel like a big heavy quad. Really? That's yeah. interesting. After my friend sc- scraped the snow out of the driveway, pushed it to the side. I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll get rid of the sport thing and go to the big quads. Because I'll tell you something. The most fun day I ever had in ATVs ever had nothing to do with racing. Um, Cuyamaca Canyon, which was out behind my house in Santee, it was closed off-road riding. But it there was a big rain, and the rain was running down the hills. And a friend of mine, we went out there with two ATCs. Mine was 124 cc's. And we just wheelied across streams and drove through mud and up and down hills. And that was the most fun I ever had on an ATV the whole time. You know, I think uh, just that one day of riding through the stream. So that lends itself to thinking that I might enjoy a four-wheel drive one, you know, in time, you know, as long as I still can do it, you know. Marty but, uh, Hart moved back to Louisiana. I figured he would after a while. He's really yeah, well, good. He he did, and and he was driving a sixteen hundred car and a um, superlight for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was driving the superlight for Triple E, and Lauren and him were partners on the on the sixteen hundred car. Mm-hmm. And so I took uh, my truck and tra- the truck and trailer and drove back and got to spend a few days with him before we raced in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's odd. You go to Louisiana to race in Texas, but you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things we got to go do was we got to go four by and on the quads in the mud. Oh, I bet that was fun. Oh my gosh. I had a blast and it was, and, you know, and it, you were buddied up. Mm-hmm. You know? So my, wife at the time was was with me and and we just got covered in mud and you didn't want to be the first one through the mud holes because of mm-hmm. the turtles and the cotton mouth you know would, oh they had the 
Yeah, those are the scariest snakes there are. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we ran into a couple of them on the trail, and you know, this the, one of the guys swatted it, and it chased him. You know, and we're <laughs> riding away, and it's chasing him still. <laughs> right. But yeah, we had we had a good time, and and uh, I think that you can get on the, the quads back then. The four wheel drives back then were just utilities for working. They were not. There was no plushness with them. The suspension was rough. Uh, you know, th- there was no, there was no, no recreational ability, you know? No. And now you look at them and you can do so many cool things with them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, you got me sold. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll no. see how my two wheel drive does and see if I convert. But a little part of me just wants to go out and maybe do an oval oval race or something like that. I, I don't see any reason why I couldn't, you know? Um, it's it's and it's that same advice that uh, that he gave you that day. Mm-hmm. You, you have the ability, right? You have to be able to get up the next day. That's true. I'll probably be pretty sore. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you bounce at sixty six, it's not yeah. like bouncing when you're sixteen. Right. Now, that's a fact. And <laughs> I I actually started later than everybody. You know, I was like twenty three when I started. Um, you know, guys like Mike Cohen and stuff, they, they came along when I was around in my late 20s, you know. So um, they were, Mike was a very naturally gifted rider. And his brother, Sam, was a good, good motor builder. And Sam and I worked together for a number of years. And um, yeah, Sam, Sam's a good guy. Yeah, unfortunately, he's sick right now. I'm Is not. he a sick again? Um, I, I think it's still. Oh wow! There was a uh, uh, one of those Go Help Me pages, Go Fund Me pages, you know. And uh, I think I sent him a hundred bucks on that one. Um, but uh, I have to look him up. Maybe he needs it again. I don't know. Uh, uh, how, I don't, how's, how's Jody doing? I don't know because there's very little feedback when mm-hmm. you out. Um, it's not. Yeah, I, I don't have all the details, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get into it really. I just know right. that the, the feedback to, to get the information is, is rough. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's just not a lot of uh, communication. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting thing. I mean, as I'm getting older, of course, I've still got a very young spirit for my age at least, uh, but there's a lot of people that don't make it through their fifties, you know, and uh, now with COVID it's, it's even, crazier than it was before you know but um my wife got covid here at the house but none of us got it and i don't know if i had it before her and never knew it or or what but uh we were all very careful and i slept on the couch for a couple of weeks and uh and nobody got it you know it was the strangest thing you know what i i my wife and i think that we had it before you know, like in February, like end of January, beginning of February, before it was a thing. Right. That's what I think happened to me. Because I I remember a time I was really sore, lower back, ungodly sore for two weeks. And then I was okay, you know. And uh, I really didn't do anything to hurt myself like that, you know. So. Well, my my mom's susceptible to... um, she has COPD and, and she has, some mm-hmm. issues, but, um, uh, she 
can't be around any of that. And my, my wife is in the healthcare industry and my niece mm-hmm. is in the healthcare industry and my son is in the healthcare industry. So we're getting, we're getting tons of advice, but you're right. We, I think it ran through all of us mm-hmm. before it was a deal. And we all self-medicated. None of us, none of us went to the doctor and, and anything. I remember having a, a really high fever and mm-hmm. my wife wanted to take me to the doctor and I go, no, honey, we're watching a movie. Well, you know, I drank some water and watched the movie and, and, you know, it was, mm-hmm. I got up not feeling good and went to work. You know, I mean, that's just what you do. It, it was kind of weird. I, uh, I, uh, tested negative four different times. My daughter's in the healthcare industry. She's tested, been tested over 20 times, negative every time. And she just got her first vaccination today. So that's, that's a great thing. She, she's on number one. I'm hoping they get to me soon, you know, but uh, yeah, it'd be nice to uh, get vaccinated and start having a normal life again. You know, I, I don't know how badly it, it shut down there, but for, I don't know, for a few weeks back, maybe it was March or so. It was like a ghost town on the freeway. It was strange up here, you know, um, our, we, we took everybody in the radio station and all the salespeople work from home. So there's three of us that work in the studio and that's it. And, uh, and, and as soon as the show's over, the, the two of us leave and then no one goes back in the studio except the one guy. So we, and we've been fortunate so long, so far, you know, we, in what we do, we've just gotten busier um, in the traffic, uh, you know, the walk-in traffic. Uh, yes, we have it, but it's not like having a superstore where we're a specific people are going to come see us on a, for a specific reason. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're usually talking to people out in the parking lot. Um, some Which is of good. <laughs> Some of it's done inside, you know, where you have to lay parts on the counter and everything. And everybody's been good about, you know, uh, keeping stepping back, you know, and, you know, the, mm-hmm. you step forward and look at something, we step back and, you know, you just, you just do what you got to do to make it as safe as possible. And uh, I, know, I saw a picture today of, uh, I was on TV on the news, but I think it showed Obama with his hand on somebody's shoulder. And I, I thought, oh, my God, he's got to get away from him. I mean, the first thought through my brain for a second, you know, but it was it was a picture from 10 years ago that I saw. But our standards are the way we think now is just like, oh, boy, you got to stay away from these people, you know. Uh, So it's crazy. I hope uh, hope everyone gets vaccinated and I hope we can wipe this thing out as a country, you know, be be really good. I'd I'd really like to do that, you know but uh, go and go back to normal to where you give somebody a hug or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. I think some of it's not going to go back to normal. I don't think, I think some of the jobs, you know, if they don't need to be in the building, why do I need to have the desks there? Why do I have to have the space work from home? You know? Yeah, that's true. But I'll tell you what, I don't think people are doing as much work from home, you know? I think they're they're there, and I, you know I'm kind of hungry. I think what's in the refrigerator? <laughs> Rather than calling clients, they're over there looking in the refrigerator, and uh, oh my gosh, oh look what's on the news! And the next thing you know, they're watching the news, you know. And so um, I don't think we're going to get the same employee efficiency that we once once got when they're you know at your place of business to where 
they think of this as a workplace and I work here, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll change. <laughs> yeah, it could. Um, I was actually talking to Mike about it and he said, yeah, they've eliminated some positions that, that they're just not going to bring them back in the building. Wow. Make them outsource, you know, to where they work from home and, mm -hmm. and they're just not going to bring them back. What does he do for a living now? He works for solar turbine. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. And don't ask me what exactly he does, but it has something mm -hmm. to do with this special temperature coating mm -hmm. um, that they're developing, mm -hmm. put on the, the, the turbines so that they don't melt because they, wow. yeah. Cause the heat that's put off in raw condition, raw form, uh, he could explain it way better than I can, but I was just talking about it a couple of days ago mm -hmm. and the, the, without the coating on there, the parts melt. Wow, that's interesting. You know, like you see in the, in, in the TV or in the movies where you see the jets take off and they're after mm -hmm. kick in. Well, mm -hmm. Those fins back there have been coated for since the 40s and the 50s. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's done for years and years. They've had coatings that would keep them from melting. Well, they're trying to make it better, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what he's working on and been trying to develop um, the spray on coating, like a, like you just go and take the part out and paint it. Um, well, think of the uses use it'll it'll bring. You know, I mean. Oh yeah, it's going to change. I mean, like like my quad, the pipe on it, it, you know, it glows red hot in the bend. You know, and I've been wrapping it up with uh, tape and trying to get the heat out at the end of the pipe, and but I've run into problems where, like, if I go to an off road park. And, and run an, uh, a spark arrestor, it melts the spark arrestor, you know? So uh, I've got a new type of spark arrestor I'm trying from Yoshimira. I haven't haven't experimented with it yet, but it looks like it should be good. I hate hate using them, but... Uh, you, I you know, use a lot of the arrestors. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yep. No, oh, they work... Stuff. stuff. And they hold up in the 450s? Yep. Oh, good. That's good. I got one. I just haven't run it yet. You know, it's, it's winter. So, well, I mean, up here, the quads don't work as well in the snow as you might think. Um, I mean, not a, not a two wheel drive one, you know, so it's, um, and it's so cold. You don't want to go out there and just get blast frozen, you know? So uh, even if you wear a snowmobile outfit, you know, so, um, I don't for want to what, period. What was that? I don't want to go out in the cold, period. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you there. Yeah, out here we have to. Well, mostly we just go, it, think of it as a rainy day. You go from your house to your car, your car to your business and back, you know, uh, and that's that's how we deal with it up here. It's We don't think of it as, I mean, we don't go out and enjoy it, but I mean, I've had days where I've had to do a lot of work and I can actually work with a coat, gloves and all that, down to about 10 below for most of a day um i'm i'm okay with that you know but uh but any colder than that it's it's terrible i mean i i um the first time i started my my uh toyota truck that i brought up here um it it was in a, in a 20 below temperature it turned over really slow and then it it started. I thought I had a dead battery at first. And, you know, I'm new to this. And then 
it just knocked like crazy. And I immediately shut it off. I thought something was wrong with it. And, um, and then, then I started it up again. Jesse Wozniak was with me and we, we were just driving up here for the very first time and it fired up and, and it just loped along at very low RPMs. And then it warmed up eventually. And it was, uh, that's just the way they are up here. It's a very strange thing. And all the windows rattled and, uh, you know, at those temperatures, cause everything shrinks. It's, it's brutal. I, I'm surprised cars keep running after going through a winter up here. It's really amazing to me. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, coming up. I'm not moving there. <laughs> I got a diesel truck now and they say that the fuel can turn into, into, uh, a, a gel if if you're not careful so we run um straight kerosene in them in the in the dead dead cold and that's that's what diesel trucks run on up here and so it, it very or straight kerosene diesel one and then in the summer we run diesel two uh, which is a uh, and you get better better mileage in the summer much better you know but uh well, there used yep. to be a diesel shop, across, a, a diesel turbo place across the compound from us where the old shop used to be. And he yep. used to run type F tranny fluid. Really? Yeah. That's probably thicker for for even more power. I'm thinking in the summer, in the warm weather, he could probably do that. Well, he did it. He did it. He would uh, put a little bit of diesel fuel in there, but he mixed mostly. He'd take all the type F from the tranny shop, filter it and run it in his, and run it in his truck. Wow. I never would have guessed that, but I, I could, I could see, you know, how we go up to diesel too. That's probably the next thickest thing. And when I get to diesel too, I'm getting like 24, 23 miles a gallon out of a huge, you know, uh, four-wheel drive truck you know yeah that's that's crazy it really is it really is and it's crazy enough that sooner or later i'm gonna stop it <laughs> and, uh, but, but you know right now i i'm in the process of my radio station that i've had I've, i'm hiring a general manager and and she's gonna take over operations in time and i'm probably gonna move to another part of the country and let her send me a check you know <laughs> So if that's what they want to do and it works out for you, dude, I, I would say yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what, what I'm hoping to do. We'll see how it goes. Thank you very much for spending time with me. I know that you're a busy guy and it's later there and I, and I appreciate you, you oh, it's accommodating right. me on the, on the, the time of evening that it is. Cause it's still kind of early here, mm -hmm. but uh, you, it's gotta be getting late there. Yeah, it is. It is. What time is it? Yeah, it's 1030 now <laughs> already. It's not well, no problem at all. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed it and uh, it, it's good getting to know you. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking after your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment, 
571-0160. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.